Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Well, this week on the Above180.com podcast, it's going to begin, Joey. We received an email from a listener in San Francisco, and if you ever want to reach out to us, reach us at Above180 at gmail.com, Above180 at gmail.com, or a Twitter question, too, at uh, Above180. That's our Twitter username. And the question begins, Joey, this, this gentleman is in his second season of bowling. He started out with his average right around 110, and he's now up to a 140. He's throwing a 15-pound tropical storm, which he started throwing straight, and now he's using that at his spare ball. So he has a 15-pound storm thunderstruck that he had his operator re-drill for him. So a couple of questions, I guess, that he has for both of us. Uh, first one I'd like you to help help him with is how can he describe how he has that ball drilled. He's wondering how he can describe that to other bowlers. First of all, he'd have to have his axis point measured, and his, his pro shop can definitely handle that. And once he finds his axis point coordinates, which basically are based from the center of his span, uh, typically five inches to the right, say a half inch up, what would be an individual's PAP, for example. Uh, then he would measure the distance of the pin to his axis point, uh, common distances are three, four, five inches away. And that ball has no mass bias, so that would be irrelevant. So basically he would say, I have a four-inch pin under the ring finger with a weight hole down in the lower right quadrant, and any knowledgeable ball driller will understand exactly what that means, as well a lot of bowlers. Great. And then his other question is, how does he figure out RPMs? which I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the best way, the only way you can figure out RPMs is if you're videotaped, correct? Right. The, the only way you can figure out your RPM accurately is through videotape. Uh, there's a lot of skilled coaches with trained eyes that can watch an individual throw a ball and give their guesstimate of, of what the rub rate would be. And I've seen some that are very, very close because they do it so often. You know, if, if you were to test, say, 100 bowlers by video, You'd know when you see a, a 300 rev rate player or a 350 or a 450 uh, just, just by the visual going down the lane. But obviously, being videotaped with a, a piece of white tape on the ball uh, gives an accurate, uh, no questions asked number of what your rev rate really is. Great. This listener then is also curious as to some tips we may have for him to help him improve his game to get to 180 and beyond. And a couple of things that come to mind for me is he also talks about how hiring a coach and doing some video work and he's kind of not really there because he is on a budget like a lot of us are these tough times. A couple things I think he can do right off the bat is to try to find either a teammate on his team. He says uh, in a couple Twitter exchanges he bowls with his wife, so maybe go out with his wife or find someone who is on about the same skill level or maybe even, in my opinion, a little bit higher skill level and be, have a kind of a practice buddy that he can go out and do some things with and give him instant feedback when he throws a shot or if he has his equipment drilled inside of a pro shop. At the pro shop where he's going has a ball, uh, is at a bowling center, have the pro shop operator or someone come out and say, hey, can you, you have a couple minutes to watch me? Or if there's a house pro. I know we talked last week, Joey, uh, Bill Spigner was key, and, and I think we all were in agreement 
house pros are, are a thing of the past, and it would be great if houses did have those to help people like, like our, our listener here who's looking to improve. Exactly, Tim, and, and you touched on two very, very good points. Uh, I used to have a practice buddy, uh, a good friend of mine, Don Loomis, when he was in town. Uh, we'd practice two or three days a week, especially during tournament time, and we'd really get sharp because he could watch me and, and he'd be familiar with my game and go, Joe, you, you never used to take that first step so big or, you know, you're not quite bending as much as you used to or, or your right shoulder isn't dropped enough compared to what it used to be. And he could see things that I couldn't feel. And, and you, you don't always have the access or ability to videotape yourself. Well, exactly. And the other thing nowadays with a lot of people, I know my phone isn't the, the greatest phone in the world, but it has a camera and has a video function right on it. So I can get that instant feedback where it's not always setting up the big tripod and having someone behind me to do that. And I've even had my five-year-old son say, here, hold the camera. I'm going to throw a shot and came back. And, and uh, I think that's worked too. So those are just a couple things. And I got to I gotta believe, Joey, if this guy is getting his equipment drilled at a pro shop where they have a center attached to it, the operator is going to want to do his best to help him as well. So he would have no problem coming out and watching him throw a few, a few shots. Without a doubt, Tim. And you know the old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. What would a video be worth? Yeah, isn't that the truth? And, and that's the thing is a lot of people still... As, as good a bowlers as they are, is they haven't been videoed or they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't need to get videoed. And uh, I'm sure you see this all the time. I see it with people I bowl with who either haven't been videoed or it's been a while since they've been videoed. But one of the examples I like using, and Joey, you're the same way probably, is Tiger Woods has a swing coach for his golf game. So what does that say about us as a bowler that we need people helping us? And even bowlers have coaches as well. Well, and almost all professional athletes, uh, baseball players, you know, there's pitching coaches, there's batting coaches, yet these are professionals. So why would they need coaches? They need that trained eye, Tim, to, to help them through uh, slumps as well as someone to see their game when it's at its best so they have something to compare it to. Great. And that email, by the way, was from BAS in the San Francisco Bay. So we do appreciate him listening out in San Francisco. And Joey got this second email in from Cal in Michigan. And he is wondering, he says he's 35 years old, and he's wondering how have pro shops evolved over the past 10 years? He says he's noticed they've, things have become more sophisticated since when he first started getting his equipment drilled back in the 90s, as opposed to where it is now. I know we've even brought up on the show some uh, dual access drilling and, and different things like that, uh, dual angle layout drilling, that is, and stuff like that. So, Joey, maybe, I guess, help Cal out here. How has drilling changed and progressed over the last 10 to 15 years? Well, if we separate this into two categories, uh, drilling layouts and balancing techniques have definitely evolved, and, and dual angle is basically just a terminology, probably the most accurate terminology for describing a particular layout. Uh, balls have been drilled that way for 20, 30 years, but the terminology was mismatched. Let's say it was uh, everyone used their own different terminology of what a layout was. What dual angle is designed to do is uh, give some commonality to describing a layout. So if anyone says they have a, say, a 50-degree drilling angle by 5 by 50 to the val, everyone will understand exactly what that layout is. And obviously, it varies from PAP to PAP, but it, again, it still gives a, a more common thread for everyone to understand what the ball was designed to do. 
In regards to measuring techniques, uh, there's been a lot of evolving uh, in understanding hand structure and the best way to drill a ball. And a lot of it goes back to, you know, in the 80s, uh, when all of us were using urethanes and plastics, this is before reactive resin came out, there was a need to kind of grip on the ball and kind of hit up on it to get any type of ball reaction or hook. That was the way you got a ball to hit. Now, since the advent of urethanes in, in the early 90s, late 91 to be exact, players feel, and uh, top players feel, uh, and coaches, that getting the ball off your hand cleanly is infinitely more important than hitting up on the ball. So with resin, they, wanna, they don't want to grab it as much at the release. They want to get it off clean, get good revs, play the lanes properly where, where you create some skid, some hook, some roll at the end of the lane. And, and that's how you score in today's environment. Well, Joey, no. yeah. I'm, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry Tom. to interrupt, Joey, but exactly, because right now the ball can do a lot of work for us. I mean, it's just getting that ball off our hand consistent, correct? I mean, you don't need to, like you said, really come through the ball and do all that. You let your the way you release the ball and the way your form is and everything at the line, just let the ball do its work with the, the cores and the asymmetric cores that are in these pieces these days. Well, yeah. I mean, balls of the 80s had cores in them with, say, a, a core strength of 150 horsepower, Today's cores can be three, four, five hundred horses under the under the shell, and the cover stocks are grabbier. There, there's a lot more friction with cover. So again, there's less need for us to work the ball with our hand compared to years back. So getting back to the fitting techniques, back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and I've been drilling since 1973. It was called open-handed drilling techniques, and this was designed for the equipment being used in that era. Spans were longer. Thumbs used more reverse pitch uh, to help the bowler get out of the ball cleanly. And that kind of promoted a little bit of gripping and a little bit of hitting up on the ball. Uh, with the advent of reactive resin, top pro shops across the world have been shortening spans for bowlers, taking their thumb pitches and working the angle inward toward geometric center of the ball, thus reducing grip pressure. And, and that all gets back to what we spoke of earlier in that players do not want to grab the ball at their release point. So the, the combination of a shorter span, less trauma to the, to the joints in hand, a more secure thumb pitch, lessens grip pressure, so the result is as clean or a cleaner release than you would get by using a longer span with more back pitch, Tim. Great. Joey, so what is one thing, because I know I catch myself doing this, most bowlers do when they make a bad shot or from time to time in league play, will catch themselves gripping, grabbing the ball at the bottom of the swing. What are ways to not not do that? Oh, okay. Well, there's multiple ways, but obviously, getting your hand measured accurately at at a qualified pro shop is paramount. Once you get your span set, uh, it's not uncommon to experiment with a few different thumb pitches or finger pitches to get the exact grip pressure that you desire. That's effective for the way you throw a ball. Uh, you know, there could be two bowlers with identical length spans, and one bowler may be a little bit more, say, type A personality than the other, and he might just be a little more grippy than the other, where he may need zero or an eighth reverse on his thumb, and his twin brother may need an eighth forward on the thumb because he's just a more relaxed person. So experimentation is key. Uh, finding the perfect fit is kind of like finding the, the, the perfect car or perfect woman or girlfriend. Uh, it's a process, Tim. 
it, it's nice when your pro shop guy can nail it the first time around, but that's not always the case, no matter how skilled he may be. But with accurate record keeping and, and proper communication between the driller and the drillee, uh, you can get the best fit humanly possible that's effective for your game. And again, it'll work with today's modern equipment. So what would be, I guess, a key that on the lane that I, I make a bad shot, let's say, in league play? What's the key when you release, when you watch the ball down the lane or, or your team or do you have to rely really on your teammates to say yeah you, you grab that one at the bottom well I, I don't think relying on your teammates for that aspect that comes into play too often because i know when i grabbed it and most importantly tim it seems the pins know when you grabbed it because the pinfall will not be as good your, your pin action is less and and the ball can typically not go where you want it to go uh so it's bowler awareness tim I mean, really being in touch sensitively with your grip pressure throughout your swing and release, then when you let that ball go, there's times you know it's money. And there's other times you'll know, oh, I grabbed it just a little bit. And sometimes you get away with it, sometimes you don't. And there's times you feel, oh, I turned it just a little early. What an idiot I am, no wonder I left that week 10. You know, it's all bowler awareness and having a sensitive feel for your release. Uh, as good as coaches as there are across the nation which are needed, your best coach, Tim, I mean, your best coach is yourself because well, you know your tendencies, you know your weaknesses, you know your strengths. And as long as you're honest with yourself and focus and pay attention to each individual shot, easier said than done, that's how we can correct things kind of on the fly. Great. So we have the proper grip. I still have sometimes a problem of gripping the ball. How do you, is it just a habit? You just got to practice, practice, practice to get out of that habit of doing it? Is well, without a doubt. Said? Yeah, it, it, it's muscle memory, Tim. You need to change. And, and again, it, it begins with a good fit, the proper weight ball. Uh, living in cooler climates, you, you must have knowledge and not be afraid to use tape in your thumb hole because naturally your thumb can be a different size in September when it's 75 or 80 out compared to when it's zero degrees out. Your skin texture changes as cooler, cooler weather comes into play. Uh, as humidity levels tend to decrease in the air, skin gets drier, it gets slipperier, and it becomes more important to use tape and be open-minded about where you put that tape, Tim. Don't just put it on the front of the thumb or the back. I mean, putting it on the side of the thumb near 4 o'clock, which Norm Duke showed me many years back, can be the most secure location. You can put a piece of white or black tape to tighten your thumb to lessen your grip pressure. I mean, that's why pros use tape, Tim, they, or good amateurs. They, they want to lessen their grip pressure to as close to zero as possible to allow that ball to exit their hand as cleanly and as fluidly and as consistently as possible. You mentioned Norm Duke, and we've all watched Tim bowling. He's always fidgeting with his thumb hole, putting a piece of tape in, moving a piece of tape. So what does that tell you about tape? And actually, the guest we spoke to last week on the show, Bill Spigner, when I went by him for a couple lessons, he actually did the same thing. And he sometimes thinks that the piece of the tape, that the way the manufacturers make them, are too big. So he actually cuts slices them down the middle, and that, that way you don't need to use a full piece. So you might only want, like you said, a half a piece at 4 o'clock and a half a piece on the other side directly across. Right. And the only way you'll, you'll know where the best location would be, excuse me, is by experimentation, Tim. 
And and again, they make half inch pieces of tape. They make three quarter inch. They make one inch. They make it in different textures. They you know the black and white, and, and there's different versions of white. They also have tape that go, it's called protection tape. It goes on your thumb, and that can allow your thumb to release cleaner. Some are a little rougher for a more secure grip. There's you know a myriad of ways to modify the size and texture of a hole to lessen grip pressure. I mean, Earl Anthony, when, when I drilled for Earl back in the 70s, every single ball we drilled, he put a cork thumb chum in the front, and he, then he'd modify it with tape in the backside of the hole, but he wanted that same secure feel and texture in every single ball. Wow, Joey, you actually drilled bowling balls for Earl Anthony? About 25 balls when he was dating his soon-to-be wife, Susie, who lived in South Milwaukee, about 10 minutes from our pro shop. Earl would stop in all the time, tell us stories, you know, talk about what equipment he was using and the like. And, and, and Earl and I shared a lot of ideas. And uh, I'll tell you, he was a great person, a, a great bowler, as we know, probably the greatest of all time left-hander. Uh, Johnny Petraglia, close second, though, I'd have to say. And... Uh, and again, it, it was a great period. It, it was in my infancy of, of measuring. I mean, it was probably in the probably 1976, 77 area. So I'd only been drilling for about four or five years. So naturally, a little wet behind the ears that way. But but I learned some things from Earl, and and hopefully I helped Earl, you know, achieve a, a title or two along the way. And it was it was a fun period. Well, you've been listening to the Above180.com podcast. Joey, I think we're going to wrap it up there for this week's edition. If you have a question, by the way, those are two great emails. If you have a question, shoot us an email at Above180 at gmail.com. That's Above180 at gmail.com. We'll do our best to answer as many of those as we can. And also, by all means, if you've got a comment on a podcast we do, on a story uh, we have, by all means, Put it in on the website on Above180, uh, Above180.com as we're always looking for comments. And, Joey, I did also post, uh, we have the article that you did dealing with ball layouts for dummies, as you as you called it. Uh, that is also posted now on the website so people can take a look at that if they're more interested in learning about the dual angle layouts 